Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil Alemin. Ve salatu ve selamu ala eşrefil enbiyeyi vel mursalin Muhammedu Resulullahi sallallahu aleyhi ve sahibi ve sellem. Teslimen kathirin kathirin. Fama ba'du ve brothers and sisters, alhamdülillah. We are having an open house today, inşallah. And uh, as I always say, you are free to ask any question you want and I am free to answer whatever I want. So inshallah. Do you need the mic? If you need the mic, anybody? No? You're okay? It's only us, no? So please ask anything you like. And the question you asked was, when we see different things on the television, uh, in different parts of the world, where Muslims are being persecuted or they are in different, different kinds of difficulties and so on and so on, it's very difficult to see it and you cry and so on and so forth. What shall we do? My answer to this is that, yes, it is very difficult, uh, but there is a big danger in watching that. And that danger is that if you watch it long enough, it will become progressively easier to watch because the heart becomes dead. The effect that the first sight has on the heart is not the same as the 10th sight and the 20th sight and the 30th sight. So one of the big dangers of seeing these things, these very negative and horrible images over and over is that your heart loses its ability to feel pain. The surest sign of life is the ability to feel pain. I don't know if any of you have seen what they do uh, at the last moments of somebody's life when somebody has died and a doctor comes to verify and certify this person is dead. What do they do? I don't know. Have you seen it? Yes. My mother. Yeah. What do they do? What do they do? How does the doctor certify that she is dead? You know what they do? They, they, yeah, they, 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 they do all that. They check the heart and so on. But also what they do, I have seen, is that they inflict pain. They will open the eye and touch the, the eye itself. And if there is no reaction, then they say the person is dead. So the ability to feel pain is the sure sign of life. Same thing applies to the heart. Now what happens over time when you keep watching these kinds of painful images is the heart gets desensitized to that pain. I'll give you an example. Now you are big men, mashallah. But I can guarantee you if I take you into an operating theater and if you stand there and the surgeon cuts open somebody and blood flows out, you will feel dizzy and maybe you will even faint. Right? But at the same time in the same operation theater, there is a nurse who is four foot nothing and she is thin like a reed and she is perfectly happy. She is giving the surgeon the instruments and scalpels and so on and so forth. Now, how is this possible? You are, uh, you are four times her size. You are a huge, big, strong man. And you are falling down. And that young lady, nothing happens to her. Why? Because she has become desensitized to the sight of blood. On day one, on the first day that she came to the theater, if you had been there, you would have seen that same thing happen to her. She would have fallen down. She would have vomited maybe or she would have felt sick. 
but over time she is seeing this operation over and over and over the sensitivity of the heart goes away so my advice is do not watch these tv programs do not watch these things we know what is happening you don't know the exact detail what happened to which mother which child you don't need to know that because what are you going to do you are sitting here in america or you are sitting here in india or you are sitting here in uh, you know jordan or wherever what can you do physically nothing so simply looking at something and feeling bad and killing your heart makes no sense so what you must do is instead of that spend time in zikr pray to allah subhanahu wa taala make dua for them and wherever you can help these people in whichever way please do that if there is somebody taking donations you know donate some money maybe clothes maybe medicines maybe there are some refugees living in your area who have come go work with them help them so where we can physically do something to help alhamdulillah let us do that but simply watching these things on on tv and on social media and all that it only desensitizes the heart and it is of no use so my advice is do not watch all this right you see in africa christian missionaries went there and they spread christianity and the question is what does islam say about racism and race islam's approach to racism and race i think the finest example is what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned with the creation of adam alayhi salam allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that when he created adam alayhi salam he ordered the malaika to make sajda to the to adam alayhi salam and that was at that time he had no life in him it was the the prototype of adam alayhi salam now allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said the malaika made sujood except illa iblis iblis did not make sajda so allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asked him why did you not make sajda of course allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows it's a matter of creating a hujjat in favor or against the slave so what did he say ana khairum minhu khalaqtani min nar wa khalaqtahu min teen he said i am better than him you made me from fire and you made him from clay now this is a and what was allah subhanahu wa taala's reaction to that allah subhanahu wa taala said get out innaka rajim allah said get out you are rejected and you are in the hell fire now what was iblis's within quotes crime first crime of course is disobedience to allah subhanahu wa taala but the reason he did that was what it was racism what else is it he is saying i am from a different race than this chap this chap his race is inferior to my race i am created from fire he is created from clay i am superior he is inferior that's what he's saying so now whether i say i am white and you are black so you are inferior or i say i am black and you are white so you are inferior both are equal right whichever it is i am i am indian and you are not indian so i am superior i am swati i am from swat and somebody else is from you know sind <laughs> eh? we have all this right may allah protect us all racism in islam is haram there is no 
ग्रेडेशन होता है इट इज हराम नंबर वन देन अल्लाह सुबह इन सूरत हजरात अल्लाह सुबह अगेन मैंशन दिस एंड अल्लाह सुबह सेट वी हैव क्रिएटेड यू फ्राम टू फ्राम आदम एंड हवा अलहमसलम एंड अल्लाह सेट देन वी डिस्ट्रीब्यूटेड यू अमंग कबाइल वाई ली so that you recognize one another what is the meaning of recognition if sayyid says salam to me and i say walikum assalam i am recognizing him so what am i doing i am acknowledging him i am honoring him i am showing that i love him he is my brother what is the opposite he says assalam alaikum i look through him i don't say walikum assalam I act as if he does not exist. That's the opposite, right? So recognition means when you say salam, or if I see you, I call out to you, I wave to you. When you say salam, I say barakum salam. I, you know. And the opposite is what? Opposite is not recognized. Meaning, you are a piece of furniture. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you know, doesn't matter. You live or die. Now, what is Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala saying? Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is saying. that we created you from the same same two parents and then we separated you into different tribes into different races litarafu limada litarafu why so that you recognize one another meaning you honor one another and then allah said what in terms of superior inferior who is the best इन्ना अकरमकुम इंदल्लाही अतकाकुम अल्लाह सेस द बेस्ट अमंग यू इज नॉट द व्हाइट मैन इज नॉट द ब्लैक मैन इज नॉट द जुलू मैन इज नॉट द कोजा मैन इट इज नॉट द हैदराबादी इट इज नॉट द स्वाती इट इज नॉट द फलस्तीनी इट इज नॉट द जोर्डेनियन इट इज नॉट द नोबडी इट इज द वन हु हैज द मोस्ट तक्वा इन्ना अकरमकुम इंदल्लाही अतकाकुम The most honored of you with Allah is the one who has the most taqwa. Now think about this. Why does Allah give a criteria like this? Because who knows who has more taqwa? Only Allah. Taqwa is a state of the heart. Yes. You might say Sheikh Yawar has more taqwa than me. That is Alhamdulillah. This is your good, you know, impression about me. But maybe you are right. Maybe you are wrong. Wallahualam, because for all you know, how are you saying I have more taqwa? Because my beard is longer than yours, because I am wearing a turban, because no. What is your criteria? It's all external, right? You might say, no, no, no. You know, I have seen him praying. Maybe he is praying like that to impress you. We don't know. So who knows with certainty? Who knows how much taqwa there is in this man's heart, in Nabil's heart? Who knows? Does he know himself? No. Does your mother know? Does your father know? No. Only Allah, because only Allah looks into the heart of the person. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala gave a criterion of who is superior and who is inferior, which only He knows. And that criterion will become public. Everyone will know when, when we meet Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. On the day of judgment, you will see. 
who actually had more taqwa and who did not have more taqwa even though in the world maybe we thought that though this person wallahi such a huge you know ma- major scholar sheikh and what not what not wallahi we wallahi may allah protect us on the day of judgment you find that this person is nothing on the other hand is some quiet person sitting somewhere and doing something we don't even know what he's doing and on the day of judgment allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is honoring the person wallahi ala so this is the answer to the question on race that only allah knows and allah did not make race the criterion for judging who is superior who is inferior allah subhanahu wa taala made piety taqwa consciousness of allah subhanahu wa taala the willingness to please allah the unwillingness to displease allah allah made these things the criteria of superiority before him jalla jalalu so we ask allah to make us among the muttaqin inshallah jazakumullah khairan very nice question mashallah may allah bless you the question is i have friends who are agnostic atheist and so on and so forth and they ask for all kinds of things they want to they want to they ask questions about islam uh, but and of course they ask questions about allah subhanahu wa taala they want tangible proof what not but the one question which they always ask and that question is if there is so much of suffering in the world then what is god doing right yeah. that's the kind of question more or less huh? if god is like right. why is there suffering yeah if there is god why is there suffering if there is suffering why is what why does why doesn't god do something about it this is the question they ask and nabil says this is a difficult question i said this is the easiest question to answer and let me give you an analogy supposing we are standing in my kitchen and i've got this electric stove and the stove is on but obviously it's an electric stove so it's a hot plate there's no fi- there's no flame and fire so i say to you nabil be careful with that thing if you put your hand on that it's going to burn it's hot it's very hot it's fire don't put your hand on that right i've told you what it is i told you what happens now nabil for whatever reason goes and puts his hand on it then he screams because the hand is gone the skin is gone is hurting bad and then he says you are here eh? why am i suffering why don't you do something what's the answer the answer is i i did something already yeah i told you from day 1 this thing is going to burn don't put your hand on it you put your hand on it you get burnt then you want to blame me ajib allah subhanahu wa taala jalla jalaluhu created this world and allah subhanahu wa taala then created for us a template of how to live in this world and he didn't even stop there he then sent a messenger or a teacher muhammad sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam to teach us this so there is a book there is a demonstrator and a teacher both how about if they and what is that teaching the teaching is if you want to live in this world with dignity with beauty with justice with compassion with looking after each other with taking care of each other honoring each other this is the way to do it right now we ignore all of that 
we go against that what allah says is justice we do the opposite we do injustice what allah says is compassion we do the opposite we do cruelty what allah allah says do not oppress we oppress allah says give everyone their due we take away their rights so what will happen there will be suffering there will be turmoil there will be wars there will be all kinds of conflict and so on and so forth it has to be there is no other way it has to be because this is what we are creating then we say if there is god why is this happening what kind of a question is that that question is completely stupid you must tell the people they say excuse me you do you are asking a completely wrong question because if there was no template if there was no communication from god from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you ask this question yes i i will accept the question but when a method has been given to us when a template has been given to us when we have been taught what is the best way for us it doesn't matter to god allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is on his arsh it doesn't matter to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala what's happening in the world he the what allah sent us is for us after giving all of that we deliberately decide to disobey then who must suffer tell me somebody else that is the answer so uh, quick follow up so yeah, yeah, yeah. they tell you oh how about the people who are getting oppressed very good question so next question is what about the people who are getting oppressed and what about them they have done nothing wrong yes that is true but this is the law of nature this is this is what allah subhanahu wa ta'ala these are the laws that allah allah has created that if you oppress and somebody will get oppressed and of course in some cases they may have a choice the choice is vote against that right vote against the oppressor you know collect yourself create ways of protecting yourself and so on and so forth having said all that you might say well you know what all of that they tried it doesn't work it failed true that is why there is a day of judgment there is a day of judgment because despite the best efforts you still may not succeed against a powerful oppressor here for example firaun he ordered for the male children of the bani israel to be slaughtered now what can the poor women of bani israel what can they do they cannot do anything Here is the army of Firaun here is the soldiers of Firaun they come they soon as they know the ma- the mother has a child they take the child they cut the throat they give it back to the mother what can the poor woman what what is she going to do apart from crying what can she do So yes true there may be a situation where you have oppressors who are so powerful that you cannot do anything but you are being oppressed so what about that well what that is the reason why there is a day of judgment where no one will be able to escape no matter how powerful you were in the world on the day of judgment you have no power so yes there will be if they are oppressing there will be some temporary suffering and this is temporary this life is temporary in terms of the akhirah in terms of the of the uh, after life what is this life kam labistum how long did you stay labitna yawman aw ba'da yawm we stayed for a day maybe or part of a day So whatever suffering there is is temporary it is for a short period and even if you die in that suffering alhamdulillah you die shaheed because because of the suffering allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has forgiven all your sins allah has converted them into good deeds and when you die you die in a beautiful way but the one who was oppressing you now he is in serious trouble on the day of judgment he has no escape 
There is always justice with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They make no mistake about that. The issue is sometimes that justice is in this life. In other cases, the justice is in the next life. In many cases, the justice is in this life and the next life. Let's take the same example of Firaun. Where did Firaun die? Where did he suffer? In this life. Right? He, so there, there was justice. Even, even in this life, the people who were there, they could see Firaun drowning. They could see Firaun suffering. They could see his kingdom destroyed. They could see his dynasty finished. They saw that in this life. And also in the next life, Firaun will be in the hellfire, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us. So both are, both are possible. Sometimes you might say, well, you know, what about so and so? He lived a, you know, good life and he died and he was an oppressor. He was a cruel man. He was, you know, a scoundrel. But nothing happened to me. Yes, that's right. Nothing happened to me in this life. But in the next life, that guy is going to be in the hellfire forever. This thing, whichever he, en- he enjoyed was for a short period. The one suffering is also for a short period. But in the next life, both of them will have what they have forever. Inshallah. Very good question, Alhamdulillah. <clears throat> what if there are some people who do not believe in the Day of Judgment and even if we try to convince them, they still will not believe them, believe that. Uh, what is our role? Right? This is the question you're asking. Okay. Please understand. Again, very nice question. Jazakumullah our role as far as dawa is concerned is to inform. It is not to convince. First, understand this very, very clearly. Hmm? Allah said, for you, you are only accountable for conveying clearly, not for convincing. So, this is the first thing to understand as far as the work of dawa is concerned. Our job is to convey, it is not to convince. So, what you should focus on is, can I convey in the clearest manner? So that there is no doubt in the other person's mind. The person says, I still don't believe, no problem. Alhamdulillah. فَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيُؤْمِنْ وَمَنْ شَاءَ فَلْيَكْفُرْ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said very clearly, say, your Rabb is Haq. Al-Haqqu min Rabbikum. Your Rabb is the truth. But if you want to believe, believe. You don't want to believe, don't believe. Allah has mentioned very clearly in the, in the Quran. La yukallifu, like, what is that? La ikraha fi dini qad tabayyana rushtu min al-ghay. There is no taklif, there is no oppression, there is no pressure, there is no force in deen. But both the things have been made clear. The path of guidance and the path of misguidance are both made clear. There is no doubt and there is no confusion. But you are free. You want to go on the path of misguidance? That's your choice. But if you don't want to do that, you want to go on the path of guidance, Alhamdulillah, this is also your choice. So, no need to get upset about that. No need to argue. One of the things which people forget sometimes in Dawa is they get into this, this uh, combative, uh, you know, argumentative way. Debating, argument, arguing. This is a negative thing because what happens to... Just think about yourself. If, you, if somebody is arguing with you, what happens to you generally? 
99% i mean there are people that imam shafi rahmatullah for example was was known for this he was if somebody told him something which was the truth even if he was in the opposite direction he would come back to this to the first. there's a beautiful uh, there's a beautiful narration of a meeting between imam malik and imam abu hanifa rahmatullah taala after uh, hajj in mina they had this meeting right and alays rahmatullah he was the witness to this meeting and he recorded this whole uh, meeting and one of the things he said was he went to imam, imam abu hanifa rahmatullah after the meeting and he said what is your opinion about imam malik imam abu hanifa rahmatullah said i have never seen a man so open and whose heart is so pure and he is so willing to accept the truth even if it is completely against whatever he believed before he said i have never seen a man like this he is subhanallah what a beautiful uh, person he is and imam abu hanifa rahmatullah then sent two of his his top students to study under imam malik right now the point is that uh, the ability to accept something which goes against whatever you believed in i won't say it does not exist but i will say it is very very rare for most people including myself if you are going to tell me something which is against my belief you know what that happens what what that does it only makes me stronger in my belief it makes me more and more firm in what i believe it makes me more and more rebellious it doesn't help it's actually harms so maybe before you started arguing with arguing with me maybe i would have changed my mind but if you argue with me long enough i am now you know <laughs> i i refuse to. also what happens sometimes people will get angry now when they get angry they start saying things which can be very objectionable for example i mean allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned this in the quran allah said do not curse their gods because they will curse allah what 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 sense is that i mean because of your arguing that you are making somebody curse allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he 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 was he was not doing it before he he was not cursing allah he was doing whatever he was doing but because you came into the picture and you start arguing with him now he starts cursing allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he starts cursing muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam so don't go down that path your job is to clearly convey finished end of story don't argue if the person argues again and again just tell him you say tell him my brother did you understand what i told you he will say yes alhamdulillah leave it at that that's it right if you have another question to clarify i am happy to answer but other than that i am not going to answer i am not going to engage with you you are free to reject whatever i told you no problem i just want to make sure i have conveyed to you clearly what i had to say is that clear to you yes that's clear alhamdulillah then what you do is something which we don't do you do what the anbiya did what did they do in the night they would stand before allah subhanahu wa taala in tahajjud and they would make dua for that individual by name now this mehnat we don't do this taklif this is you know i have to stand in the night i have to cry about this man i don't even like the fellow whatever it is because at the end of the day remember who changes the hearts Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala It's not in your control it's not in my control We cannot even make somebody vote for a candidate other than what he has agreed to what what he likes to vote for right 
if somebody is 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 a, is a follower of one football team or one basketball team can, will they change to you he will die before he changes to that i mean no way you can slaughter him he will not change yeah tell you seriously so how is he, how is he going to change his god for example so the best thing is don't get into these argument. the arguments are completely pointless and as i told you they do more harm than good they only make the people stronger in the falsehood that they are on instead of changing their minds so convey clearly leave it and then make dua to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is very very important and finally believe me you know what convinces people is your treatment i've said this a million times people entered islam because they fell in love with muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam they did not enter islam because of theological arguments they did not enter islam because of debates they did not enter islam because of some complexity of some masala of the fiqh no they just entered islam because they loved muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam they said you know what if this man is saying it it has to be true maybe i understand it maybe i don't understand it but if he is saying it there's no way What did Abdullah bin Salam? What did he say when he saw Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? He said, "I looked at his face and I said, 'This is not the face of a liar.' That's it. How do you know he's speaking the truth? Well, that is not the face of a liar. Now, these are things which sometimes we don't, we don't, re- we don't remember and we don't do." we won't go out of our way to help somebody we we you know we sit in judgment these like no 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 go out of your way be nice to people be kind to people help people greet people do nice things to people because then what you say becomes more credible people are are willing to listen to you right you know the best way to con- to to convey islam is the way that rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam did it there can be no way better than the way of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so you are asking me the question saying what is the best way to give dawa the best way to give dawa is to describe the greatness of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to give dawa by reciting quran musa ibn umair radhiyallahu anhu when he came to makkah He must have been maybe 16 17 years old when he came to Medina Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam sent him how did he give how did he convey islam by giving by reciting quran so learn to recite quran recite quran for them now you might say well you know what the fellow doesn't understand arabic doesn't matter don't worry about that there is a power in the kalam of allah so whether he understands arabic or he does not understand arabic doesn't matter you recite quran for him then you translate i'm not saying leave it like that but let him hear let him hear the sound of the kalam of allah don't say allah said this allah said that no 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 you first recite and then you translate talk about the glory and majesty of allah subhanahu wa taala there is nothing more powerful than that then talk about muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam tell them about the life of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam because there is nothing more attractive than the seerah of the, of the nabi alaihi salam and then talk about the day of judgment about the akhirah right i was uh, speaking at uh, in northampton uh, last week uh, at the truth school and uh, 
one of our brothers there, he said, uh, tell them something about, uh, about the afterlife. And one of those people there, uh, who was the head of uh, the congregational church in Holyoke, uh, she said, you know, I, I, I've never thought about the afterlife. I was kind of shocked because, I mean, I, I, my sort of thinking was that, uh, obviously, you don't believe what I believe, but you must have some idea about the all These are all religious people. There were Christian Christians there, there were Jewish people there and so on. They are all religious people. Then And any religion talks about afterlife. But to my surprise, this lady said, now the point is, I'm not saying she's ignorant or something. I'm saying that the reality is that most of us, and wallah, this is probably true of Muslims also. Most of us don't think about the afterlife. So the akhirah, the day of judgment, what happens, people have no idea. So make this, uh, this is the, the, the formula for da'wah. Greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Something from the life of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And about the akhirah. This is what you present. Right? Don't get into masail. Don't get into rulings of fiqh. Unless somebody asks you. And there are, there are questions that you will get asked. I hope you will ask me the questions. I'll give you the answer inshallah. But other than that, don't go into uh, rules and regulations and so on and so forth. Right? If people ask you also, answer it in a way which makes sense to them in their way of understanding. But to begin with, the, the way of da'wah is this. Glory of Allah, the beauty of the seerah of Rasulullah and the akhirah and recite Quran. Let them hear the sound of the kalam of Allah. Good, good, good point. What if I don't know the meaning of what I am reciting? What is the answer to that? I mean like, at least I don't The answer know. is I should learn, right? I should learn. Simple as that. There is no other answer. I should learn. You must learn to recite well and you must learn the meaning of what you are reciting. Also some wisdom. What is the wisdom? Recite what you know the meaning of. <laughs> Right? Because that person does not know the whole Quran. So why do you put yourself into trouble? You recite something you don't know the meaning of, then you put it. No, no. So you have, it's, your, it's your choice what you want to recite. So recite only that which you know the meaning of. Alhamdulillah, you are safe. But at the same time, try to learn the meaning of the Quran. It is our, it is our kitab. It is the book that has come to us. Alhamdulillah. If we are, if we ourselves don't know it, who should know it? Tell me. The question that is asked is, how do you approach family members who used to be good practicing Muslims, but today they are not, and maybe they are almost like allergic to Islam, and uh, also they don't want to, you know, their children and so on, they don't want to put them into Islam, things like this. What do you do in that situation? Of course, it's a very difficult situation. However, the best thing to do that is this. What does a lamp do to a room to light up the room? Tell me. What does a lamp do to the room to light up the room? What does it do? Nothing. Does it do it to the room? No. Who, is, who does it do it to? To itself. So to light up a room, what does a lamp do to the room to light up the room? Nothing. But how does the room light up? Because the lamp lights itself up. 
the lamp burns so the room gets lighted all right so now the question is your own practice of islam your own practice of islam is the biggest convincing force in a situation like what sister rana has mentioned let them see that islam in practice and let that be so beautiful that they are attracted to that remember one of the important things of dawa is which we forget today especially in our world where we are used to or we are, we are, we are you know um, we are seduced by the uh, question of speed for everything we want instant results right instant results so i i am giving dawa i have spoke to you once now i want you to say ashhadu an la ilaha illallah it's not going to happen it did not even happen with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam there are people to whom he gave dawa all his life and they still did not accept islam what about abu talib what about abu jahl what about abu lahab right they got dawa directly from muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam and they got that dawa as long as they lived and still they died out of islam so nothing to get worried about don't no no need to feel you know despondent and 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 discouraged it is a long term thing is it going to happen overnight no it's not going to happen overnight maybe it maybe you will not see the effect of that but in inshallah almustaan if you work properly then the seed is planted some day that seed will blossom even if nothing happens does not matter allah is not holding you accountable for that allah is holding you accountable for what you did so in that situation which sister ran described where you are have family members they seem to be drifting away from islam meet them be with them but be with them with the most beautiful behavior and akhlaq of islam don't get tough with them don't start fighting with them don't argue with them don't for example salah time what must you do you must pray you must pray in time now when you are going to pray don't go away somewhere pray there only and if they don't join you no problem you just pray let them not join you don't condemn them don't say you are not praying and you are not muslim you are kafir because you left islam because you left salah no 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 you are not there for sending people into jahannam allah didn't send you in this world to send people to jahannam you pray but make sure you pray don't don't go there and not pray make sure you are dressed properly like muslims recognizable don't go and change your dress there because these are all so called modern people right don't just eat anything drink anything make sure it is halal and then when you speak about islam don't go into masail don't argue about complicated matters don't argue about rules talk again the same thing the glory of allah subhanahu wa taala the beauty of the creation right talk about the birds and the bees i mean all kinds of cre- of creatures of allah subhanahu wa taala how beautiful they are and and how the khudrat and the creation of allah subhanahu wa taala is expressed talk about the incidents from the seerah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam talk about the akhirah but even in the akhirah don't talk about jahannam and azab and and you know allah will burn you and he will roast you and make barbecue from you with you no 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 the good thing about that mashallah this is jannah this is what will happen this is what we will do when we meet rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam on the house inshallah all of this and then give lot of dua to them give lot of dua May Allah do this good thing for you. May Allah bless you. May Allah fill your house with khair. May Allah Subhanahu wa Taala reward you for inviting me. This, 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 and go home. And then once again, what must you do in the night? 
stand and cry before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala jalla jalla. Right? That is the way to go as far as such people are concerned. How do you answer the question that Islam spread by the sword? Especially where you see cases where there were actually wars. For example, the Ottomans, the Ottoman Empire spread all over Europe. You had the Banu Umayyah, which spread all over Asia and Europe, and so on and so forth, different kinds of wars. So how do you explain all that? Now, first and foremost, you must differentiate between what Islam advocates as a religion and what people do, people who claim to be Muslim. Two separate things. Should not be, but that is how it is. So, in Islam, does the Quran and did Rasulullah ever say, or does the Quran say, put a sword on somebody's neck and say, accept Islam? Does it say that? It doesn't say that. The Quran does not say that. The Prophet never did it. And there is a very simple logical reason for that. And what is that logical reason? The logical reason is, belief is a state of the heart. You can put a sword to my neck and tell me to worship or to bow to a stone. Maybe I will even do it because I am afraid of dying. But will my heart change? No. The example I give to sometimes people is that if you are, uh, say, a supporter of Arsenal, right? And I tell you that you should support Manchester United. And I put a gun to your head and say, say that you are a Manchester United fan. What will you do? You will say, yes, I am a Manchester United fan. But who is in your heart? Arsenal. So how, if I won't even change a football club by force, how will I change my God? Right, number one. Number two, okay, I changed. What about my children? What about their children? What about their children? People who accepted Islam in Egypt at the time of the Futuhat of uh, Amr ibn al-As, for example. Till today they are Muslim. After 1400 years. So how come they didn't go back to whatever they were? So convincing happens in the heart and people change to Islam because they were convinced. Number one. Number two. As far as the Futuhat are concerned, as far as the wars are concerned, if you are asking me what is my opinion, I would say my opinion is I wish there were no wars. Right? For nobody. War is negative. Period. So if you ask me about war, I will say no war for nobody. But when I read history and you read history, these things happened. Now look at history in the context of history. Which is, what was happening in the rest of the world at the time these things were also happening? Were there other wars? Yes, of course. What happened in the other wars? There was complete extermination of people. Genghis Khan in one day killed 1.5 million Muslims. In Samarkand and Bukhara. Complete city was wiped out. His grandson Hulegu... When he, when he entered Baghdad, they had to, the, the Mongol soldiers had to put planks on dead bodies for them to march because there were that many dead bodies in the street. They killed every living thing in Baghdad. They even killed the dogs and the chickens. 
Now, there is no record of a Muslim ever doing that in any country. This is the context. Right? Should, have, should there have been any war at all? No. I agree. But we are not looking at an ideal world. We are looking at a world in the context of history. So, let us understand history. So, if you are looking at history, what is history telling us? History is telling us that in a world where people behave like this, what did uh, Ferdinand and Isabella do in Spain? They wiped out Islam from Spain. Not one single Muslim alive. At that time, even while that was going on, what was the behavior of the Muslims, for example, in Baghdad? What was the behavior of the Abbasis in Baghdad? Baghdad was a center of learning. There were literally thousands of Christian and Jewish scholars studying and teaching in Baghdad. Not only were they not persecuted, they, there was such an environment of inviting environment which was created in Baghdad for teaching and learning that literally thousands of people who were Christian and Jewish scholars from all over Europe, all over North Africa, Middle East, they came to Baghdad in order to study and they were not studying Islam. They remained Christian, they remained Jewish, they were studying many things. Including, for example, translating Greek texts into Arabic because Arabic was the dominant language. Just like English today is the dominant language, in those days Arabic was the dominant global language. So, Greek texts were translated into Arabic. And these translations were not, were not all done by Muslims, they were done by anybody. So, as far as Muslim rulers are concerned, the Futuhat are concerned, this was what they did. Yes, was there a war? Yes, there was a war. Did they win the war? Yes, of course, they won the war. But after winning the war, what did they do? Did they wipe out entire populations? Did they destroy all the mosques? Today in Egypt, the temple tourism is a major source of income. How? <laughs> Egypt has been Muslim for 1400 years, 1300 years. In Luxor, you go to Luxor, when I went, there was this, there was this, you know, guide, it was so funny. I mean, this guide is telling me, uh, this is the temple to the god of, uh, the god of flight, Ra. So I said, god of who? Then suddenly he looked at me. No, no, Sheikh, I'm sorry. I, said, <laughs> I I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. So I started laughing. I said, no, at least don't say it like this. I mean, <laughs> right? So the point is that there is, Everywhere, wherever you go, hmm? take, 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 for example, I mean, the, 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 in Afghanistan, the Bamiyan statues of Buddha. Now, with the Taliban uh, tried to blow up and they couldn't blow it up. They were so massive. But they tried, right? Now, tell me, forget the Taliban. My point is, how come Afghanistan has been Muslim for, for the for last 1500 years? How come those statues were there in the first place? They had 1500 years of time to destroy them. Nobody destroyed them. They were there. They are there till today. The Taliban came and did something that is stupid on the, of their part. What is the good of doing that? That's completely nonsensical behavior by people who are on extremist ideologies. Doesn't help anybody. Believe me, extremism is the worst thing that can happen. And who does it harm? It harms the people who are being extreme. So, put it in this way. Explain to them. History has to, you cannot see history from the out of context of the time. 
If I am looking at 7th century, I cannot look at 7th century in the context of 21st century. Some things may match, some things may not match. It's a different, it's a completely different world altogether. So look at it in the context of history and say, what were other conquerors doing at the time Muslim conquests were happening and see and compare the behavior of the two. There is a massive, huge, diametrically opposite behavior of how Muslim conquests were done and how this was done. Now, did Islam spread by the sword? No. Because the Muslim conquerors, they never forced anybody to become Muslim. Sometimes you might even regret that. You might say, you know what, they should have done it. it then the whole world would have been Muslim. Well, whether they should have done or should, they did not do it. The fact is, they did not do it. My country, India, for example, Muslims ruled India for 700 years. What is the population of Muslims in India today? 20%. After 700 years of Muslim rule, 80% of the population is not Muslim. Which sort? So this the the the, the issue is you must tell people that you know, don't don't simply make a statement to say oh, Islam spread by the no. That's not true. But at the same time, like you said, were there wars? Yes, there were wars. We are not denying that. But there were wars and at times when there was war everywhere. Conquest was the norm. See, understand this. Nation states as we know them, right? America meaning this diagram on a map. Jordan meaning this line on the map. Palestine meaning this line on the map. Saudi Arabia meaning this line on the map. This nation states concept is from the second world war. Before the nation states, what was there? What, what was the name of the country the Ottomans ruled? Was there a country? Can someone say the Ottomans ruled Turkey? No. They ruled the Ottoman Empire. Suleiman, for example. Suleiman the Magnificent, the lawgiver. One of the, one of the biggest Ottoman sultans. What country did he rule? <coughs> was he ruling a country? No. There was no country. He was ruling his empire. His empire consisted of half of Europe, the whole of the Middle East, the whole, uh, most of North Africa. Right? There was no country. If somebody wanted to go from uh, today what is Morocco to today what is Saudi Arabia, did he need a passport? He walked. He went whichever way. So these were empires. What Akbar ruled, what Babur ruled in India, I'm talking about the Mughal emperors. What was he ruling? India? No, there was no India. There was a landmass in which part of it was his empire. <coughs> so he was ruling that. Where was Pakistan? There was no Pakistan. Pakistan, Pakistan was formed in 1948. 1947-48. Before that, there was no Pakistan. Right? So we have to understand this. This is the whole concept of nation states is a very modern and new concept. There were no nation states. There were empires which belonged to some ruler or the other. You know, you had the whole thing. So in that context, what did people do? What did emperors do? What did kings do? They wanted to expand their jurisdiction. They wanted to expand their territory. So they went to war. They did that. Did the Muslims also do it? Yes, they also did it. So they were following the norm of the time.
What they did not follow was the rest of it, which is that when the others went, they raped and plundered and looted and they, they, they massacred local populations and they enslaved people. The Muslims did not do any of that. They changed some leaders. Other than that, they ruled with justice. There was a multicultural, pluralistic, I'm now using your lingo, multicultural, pluralistic environment, which encouraged and accepted other religions for a theocratic state, which is what the Muslim state was, to accept other religions itself is an amazing thing. What did Umar ibn al-Khattab when he, when he came to Jerusalem, when, when Jerusalem, the keys were handed to him? What did he do with the churches in Jerusalem? He left them. He protected them. He told the Muslims, do not harm them. He didn't even want to pray there. When they asked him to pray there, he said, no, I won't pray there because this will become a norm. Then we'll have Muslims praying in your churches. We don't want to do that. To this day, there is a masjid, Omar ibn al-Khattab, directly opposite the cathedral in Jerusalem. Why is the masjid there? Because he prayed there. So if, for example, if somebody can show me where a Muslim ruler after a fatah destroyed all the churches, destroyed synagogues, destroyed temples, killed Hindus, killed Christians, killed Jews, you know, the whole streets with blood, then I will say, okay, fine, what you are saying is right. There is not even one single example of that in 1500 years. Yes, there were wars. Yes, there were conquests. But what happened thereafter? Thereafter, there was rule of justice. Thereafter, there was freedom of, of, uh, of religion. There was no compulsion on anybody to become Muslim. That is Islam. Alhamdulillah. Give us some advice. Alhamdulillah, I give advice to myself, uh, not to you. It's a reminder to myself. And that is, go back to the original. And who is that original? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. See what he did and do what he did. How did he spread Islam? By his character by his own behavior, by his own conduct. Action speaks louder than words. So, my advice to myself and to you is, go back to the original, which is Rasulullah Wasallam, and let us try to live our lives in such a way that our lives become a source of attraction for anyone who is not Muslim. Right? Our lives must become a Means of it. So people must look at Muslims and say, "Subhanallah, you know, look, look at this person's life. See their house, how beautiful the house is. See their children, how how beautifully behaved those children are." In my country, when we were growing up, the Hindus used to say this. They used to say that the best behaved children are the children of Muslims, because they always say salam, they always get up, and they always are polite and so on and so forth, right? This is what we must see. Our masajid, I'm not, on, I'm not talking only about open day of the masjid when we call him. No, no, no. Any time. Open day is fine. But the open day is also, you know, we are doing it for showing people. Alhamdulillah, good to do that. But any time anyone comes into the masjid, masjid must be a sanctuary. Must be, must be something that 
that people find attractive. Similarly, our homes, our businesses. A Muslim business, a person must go and say, I will never be deceived by this man because this man or this woman is a Muslim. I can deal with them openly, clearly, no problem. They will not deceive me. They will not lie to me. They will not cheat. That, that is the reputation we must create. I was telling somebody the other day, this is, this is true. Uh, some years ago, I was in South Africa and I was speaking to a group of judges and, and, and uh, uh, politicians. Um, parliamentarians really, not politicians. Parliamentarians, judges. And one of them said to me, that he said during apartheid regime in South Africa, which is white supremacy, segregation, racist, and they were very strong Christians. They, these were people, Dutch Reformed Church. They were very pious people and very strong Christians. Like, for example, in, in, in that time, gambling was prohibited in South Africa. There were no, there were no casinos. Right? So, during that regime, he said the rule, the law was that if a Muslim is called as a witness in court, he or she is not uh, compelled to take an oath on the Quran or Bible or anything. That Muslim can speak without taking an oath as a witness. So I said, why? They said, because Muslims don't lie. This was the impression. Muslims do not tell lies. So, if it's, if, if, if it's a Muslim witness, remember, Christian court, Christian apartheid regime, Christian judge, the Muslim almost 100% of the time is a non-white. He's either an Indian or an, Af or an African. The, the whites were not Muslims. So, in, a, in an apartheid regime, in a, in a racist regime, somebody from one of the subject races, if he is a Muslim, he is treated with respect to the extent where they say, the Muslim does not have to take an oath on anything. We believe the Muslim because Muslims don't lie. So, I asked him, what about today? He said, today we have to take an oath. <laughs> yeah? Today we have to take an oath. Because we destroyed our own reputation. <coughs> that is the important thing to understand, which is by our conduct. So the advice I, I uh, give to myself and to and I present to all of you is this: focus on your own conduct. Me, myself, my family, my home, my business, my work, my environment. That must become so beautiful and attractive that people must come and say, you know what? Please tell me how, how are you like this? What about this? Tell me about this. And that will open the door for Dawa because then they are asking you. So he's coming with a receptive mind. He wants to hear you. On the contrary, if we live lives where people don't want to see us, they find us irritating, they find us, you know, all kinds of things wrong with us, then there is no sense. There is no point in me sitting here and giving you all this lecture and then when you meet me in some transaction, I am telling you a lie, I am trying to cheat you, I am trying to... You will tell me what is the point of this. You want to stand on the member, you give a lecture and then you tell a lie outside. I mean, where is the credibility? Zero, right? Zero credibility. Or I get angry, I curse somebody. So, just now you said we must have tahammul and we must have sabr and the, the tongue which recites the Quran must not take, you know, must not curse and now you are cursing the man. Where is the credibility? There is no credibility. There is zero credibility. So, our credibility depends on our actions. So, let us try to, inshallah, 
डू दैट वी आस्क अल्लाह सुबहान तलाजल हो टू बी प्लीज विद ऑल ऑफ यू टू एक्सेप्ट यू आर कमिंग हेयर वी आस्क अल्लाह सुबहान तला टू मेक ईच वन ऑफ यू अ बीकन ऑफ गाइडेंस फॉर एनी वन कम्स इन कॉन्टैक्ट विद यू वी आस्क अल्लाह सुबहान तला टू मेक ईच वन ऑफ यू अ लिविंग वॉकिंग टॉकिंग मॉडल ऑफ इस्लाम एंड ऑफ रसोल्लाम वी आस्क अल्लाह सुबहान तला टू पुट पावर इन योर दुआ टू एक्सेप्ट योर दुआ टू टू गिव यू वॉट एवर यू आस्क विद खैर एंड आफिया and then to give you from his from his generosity and rahma what you did not ask wa sallallahu ala nabiyil karim wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in bi rahmatika ya rahmar